Welcome to Dry Clean Only, conversations on fashion and style. Dry Clean Only is a new podcast developed by myself, Kristen Cole, and partner, Christina Ehrlich. This is episode three, where we interview my chic and talented friend, Stephanie Dannon of Co-Collections. She created Co-Collections together with her partner, Justin Kern, to celebrate collaboration and creativity, and together they've built a quiet force of a California lifestyle brand dedicated to chic, thoughtful, minimal, effortless design. You can learn more on their line at their site, cocollections.com, on Vogue Runway, or on Instagram under the handle simply co, C-O. Before we jump into the episode, we wanted to take a moment to recognize the tragic passing of Virgil Abloh. The sad news broke after we had recorded this episode, otherwise I'm sure we would have all wanted to speak more on his legacy. Beyond being the artistic director for Louis Vuitton and the founder of Off-White, Virgil seemed to touch and influence almost everyone working in fashion today, and certainly so many of today's youth. He was clearly very adored by the community, a true innovator, disruptor, thought leader, and visionary. Our deepest condolences go out to his family and his friends. Okay, so this week is Art Basel Miami. Um, A lot of the international art crowd is in Miami for the week, including my husband, who's down there for the week at Art Basel with his gallery, Broadway. Um, Louis Vuitton was scheduled to have a show tonight and in, in, in celebration of their new Louis Vuitton store in Miami, and it, it was announced that they are going to move forward with this show. It's tonight, November 30th at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be live streaming. This is their spring-summer 22 collection, and they've stated that they will proudly celebrate Uh, Virgil's legacy as per his wishes um, with continuing on with this show so that should be very interesting and yeah now I will loop in my partner Christina and then we will have our guest on. Hello Christina. Good morning Kristen how are you? I'm good happy holidays. And to you. It's it's that time of year. It most certainly is. We are in in the thick of it. In the thick of it. Well, it's certainly um, fun. It's, you know, time to relax, food, family, friends, cocktails. And, you know, I felt like we would probably kick this episode off talking about shopping. That's what we do. Right? Yeah, that's what we do. And we'll also, of course, touch on giving back because we need to, we need to address that as well. But Okay. So have you started doing any of your Christmas shopping or holiday shopping at all? You know, I get torn at this time of year because I give gifts all year long. So then I have to kind of reinvent what is creative and fresh and new. So I'm Mm -hmm. making my list of who's receiving this year Mm -hmm. and kind of trying to break my shopping into simple categories. So I can go to maybe three different, different stories. Cool. Gifts for three different categories for the person. Cool. Well, I haven't, I, I've started shopping for my kids cause that's always easy. And aside from that, I haven't, you know, become super thoughtful about it, but I am 
purchasing a few things that are just kind of easy just to have around because I know it'll come up. So, you know, I feel like wine and candles are always a thing, right? So Vivantaire is a really lovely uh, natural wine company. It's made by um, Rosie Asulin and her husband, Max, and it's really lovely. They've sent me some wine. I've, I've drank um, quite a bit of it, especially over the summer because they do the skin contact kind of natural orange wines that are so good. And they have that out. Oh yeah. It's pretty new. It's so good. And I will tell you the wine is, it's very delicious and I love natural wine, but I mean, the best part kind of for me is the fact that the label is really well designed. It's really chic. It looks like a Ellsworth Kelly painting. So yeah, that's a, that's a good gift. I'm going to order some bottles of that. They're, you know, all over in New York. Um, it's a great idea. You know, it's funny. I, I don't feel like it's been as big of a trend, at least where I shop for wines in LA and I love it when I'm on the East coast. So I actually, thank you. That's a good memory. That's a good memory. Box. It's good. And I feel like it's just good to have some great bottles of wine around. Cause you know, you never know last minute what you're going to need. Um, oh, excuse my <laughs> bell here. Um, another idea with, with candles. So I used to always carry boy smells and diptyque and those are, you know, the candles I burn most often at home. Um, but I want to make sure, you know, to support black owned business this, this holiday. And I was on 15% pledge, which is a, you know, fantastic website, uh, you know, curated or started by Aurora James. And if you go through their holiday gift guide, there's a lot of, you know, really great ideas. And I ordered a bunch of candles from, I'm going to butcher this um, word, but from Frerege Brand Show, um, which is a candle company. It's vegan, soy, small batch. It's listed on their uh, gift guide. And I ordered the fragrance called Caribbean Christmas, which I thought sounded really lovely, right? Really pretty. Yeah. Let's see. In terms of uh, philanthropy, I'll be donating to No Kid Hungry, which is, you know, a nonprofit that I like to support over the holidays for sure. Um, they are, you know, fighting childhood hunger across the U.S. A, a little goes a long way. You know, they accept donations as small as $35. So um, I think that's something interesting to support over the holidays. What are you what are you thinking of? So I would say I've got my categories that I mentioned to you before, and I'm just sort of putting that list together. And I'm going to definitely circle back with our guest, Jonathan Cohen, and see what he's up to. And if he's doing any special holiday cards to Mm. email people that really, you know, love flowers and love colors and would appreciate getting something hand-drawn from um, him. I think that's a great idea. Um, I'm super into and a big fan of a line right here on third street in West Hollywood. It's called on Dean, mm. uh, the creator and is a, a woman who used to have a line called Caton Blanc. And she's really sort of embracing the freestanding store concept and has turned her boutique into like a French girl's boudoir where you can get some of the most delicious and soft cotton pajamas and loungewear. And you can get anything from like a robe to pajamas to a sleep shirt. And I think it's a great gift to give. And it's I love that. Know, whether it's like a robe for your mother 
or we actually, I'm friendly with her and we made a collaboration for the holidays that these little wraps that when you get out of the shower and you want to put your hair and makeup on, they have elastic up on top of the chest. It's, it's like a towel. I with love a, that. Found it. That's but she's great. in a pointel white cotton. And then we're trying a black fabric. That's a little more of like, um, sort of a soft fuzzy fabric. And it's just a great thing. Like when you're blow drying your hair or pulling your hair up, you don't always necessarily want to have a robe on. So it keeps your arms free. So that would be one. And then I would say is a third category due to my love of paper and paper Mm. that I think great gift is to go to your local bookstore. I've been staying in West Hollywood the last couple of years and I have book soup and the Mm -hmm. old traditional Hollywood uh, spot. Such a great independent bookstore. You can go and get anything from, you know, $19 and up or even down from that. And it gets hand wrapped and you get a beautiful sticker on it that says book soup. And I always think there's something about a book that's just a very thoughtful gift to give. For sure. I'm really um, on board for Girls on Fire. It is an organization that is about girls leading change and girls really finding their own voice and inner strength and how they bring a community of other young girls together to create community and also, you know, really explore everything that's out there in the world to them for businesses and how to do it with the support of one another in this community. What's that? um, How do I find out more on that organization? What's it called? Girls on Fire? Girls on girls on fire leaders.org. Cool. And I learned about that through a very dear friend of mine who brought me to my one other bucket for shopping, which would be my love of essential oils. Mm. Um, I will tell you in the last three, three, four years, even prior to the pandemic, I have become a devotee of essential oils. Mm-hmm. I very little perfume. I am using um, essential oil-based products in my home now, and I am definitely part of what I would call the doTERRA family, and it has taught me about how you can have oils diffusing in your home that can help you with anxiety, they can help you with a headache, they can help you with concentration, and, um, and whether you're exploring like copaiba or eucalyptus or rose oil. All I love these, eucalyptus. Yeah. All these ones are cedar wood. There's, um, I mean, it's endless. I, they're incredible. And in your diffuser, awesome. you get to be your own chemist and you can really explore with just like the energy of how your space feels. Do you wear them on your body as well, or just in your space? You do. But the, the really important thing you have to learn about essential oils, because people don't realize sometimes you can't put the pure oil directly onto your skin. That's mm. why certain companies like doTERRA, they have products that are the essential oil pure that you use to diffuse in the diffuser. And then they have roller balls. The roller balls are broken up with like cra- uh, coconut fractionated oil, mm. break it up. So that way you can roll it on you. Otherwise, some of the oils are very powerful that they'll, they'll burn your skin. You know, I used to only use essential oils when I traveled, um, but I never travel anymore. So I've kind of gotten out of the habit that I used to be very into lavender and eucalyptus when I traveled, just cause it's like, you know, mixed with your hand cream, just like, you know, kind of helps you relax in flight. There's one fragrance called Unguard, 
and it's a very sort of detoxifying and cleansing oil. So any, any mother or any woman with children to have unguard lavender and peppermint on hand all the time is it, it's winning and the kids love it. I mean, I love that. we even have a, a kid's line, but so love that. my, that's sort of where my head's at with this stuff. Cool. Well, one other thing I was thinking of that we were just, you know, looking at together, um, co obviously, which we are talking about today, co-collections has a, a gift guide on their homepage right now, which is, um, very enticing and, uh, I think appealing to a lot of different types of women, but, um, I have a few things on there too, that I already bought myself, which are the cashmere long gr- gloves and the cashmere hat, but they also have a cashmere robe that seems like such a no brainer for someone who wants to get a really luxurious gift for, you know, a wife or a girlfriend or a mother or something. It just looks really beautiful. And they have some cashmere blankets on there as well. Um, and then on a, on a kind of sharper price point on matches fashion, believe it or not, I found um, these Danish virgin wool blankets that are really beautiful. They have whip stitching. They're super simple uh, but they were a really sharp price and they're by a Danish brand called Tekla, uh, which I was not familiar with, but I just um, bought some of those for my sons who will not care about that at all, um, but it'll look, they'll look great in their rooms. <laughs> so, so two bad boys. Um, okay. So today we're going to talk a little bit uh, sustainability with Stephanie of of co and you know after the UN climate summit in Glasgow and you know in particular the UN fashion charter agreement uh, you know it seems more and more brands are signing on and becoming uh, signatories to this but you know I think the the level of commitment varies and you know what the solutions are are you know a little bit nebulous um, but it seems like everyone is trying to make a more serious, impact at this point and and find quick solutions um, that can help meet these climate goals in the next 10 years. So um, they will be talking to us about their capsule collection, Natural World, which is, you know, I guess the the biggest experiment in their line uh, towards this idea. So yeah, should be cool. Oh, this weekend, I think I'm going to try to see House of Gucci. Have you seen this yet? Oh, it's on the, it's on the Xmas list. I know. I feel like, again, you know, it's time to start thinking about relaxing and family and friends and all of this. And for me, that's definitely going to see a movie. Finally, after all this time, I have not seen a movie in a theater yet. I'm, I don't know. I'm sure you haven't either. I haven't been to a movie theater. No, it's, it's gotta be a few. I mean, I mean, for me, yeah, it's like two, maybe three years. I mean, I cannot remember the last time I went to a theater. So that that's not streaming, you know, it's only released in theaters. So I am going to go probably wear my mask the whole time. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I think we should probably... I'm very excited to meet her. I'm such a fan of her work and you speak so highly of her. So this, she's going to be great. Okay, great. All right, we'll we'll link her in now. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Thank thanks you for joining me. us from LA today. I've got Christina and Stephanie here. Um, how's it going? What's new? 
It's good. You know, what's new, it's just uh, working, 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 right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> as you have a glass of wine. <laughs> I love 30 here. So I feel I like as you should, as you should. So, all right. So today we're going to talk, we're, we're kind of starting a sustainability thread, you know, for a few weeks, obviously everything should be sustainable. Um, but we really want to kind of deep dive on some of the brands that are getting more involved, you know, for sure in, in our world, you know, we kind of think of Gabriella Hurst and Chloe and Prada now with the B Corp stuff and uh, Stella McCartney and Co, another Tomorrow, Kalina Strada. I wanted to kind of start kicking off before we get into everything else. Like, when did you decide to be a, be a leader and take sustainability more seriously? Or has that always been part of the brand DNA? It, it wasn't, to be honest with you. It was not part of the brand's DNA. Um, we obviously, as you know, we experienced COVID and um, you know, had some strong realizations about uh, why we do what we do, yeah. uh, who we are in this world, what our relationship to nature is. And during COVID, it became clear that nature is our savior and, you know, sort of spiritually, you know, mentally, um, at least we see it that way. And, you know, that COVID made us realize how, how, you know, harsh we are to it and how disrespectful we are to it. And that fashion is, you know, an industry that is really just awful. Yeah, no, it's a big offender. And I'm sure you followed the, you know, UN climate summit and COP and everything. And it was really interesting. It seems like, you know, a lot of effort and initiatives are happening, but yeah, 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 yeah. So one of the things that just like dawned on us, obviously, is that we have no choice but to become involved. And uh, the other thing that, you know, we started to realize is that a lot of, you know, the word sustainability is is being overly used yeah. uh, for marketing purposes. And, you know, we didn't, it didn't sit right with us to use recycled fabrics. And sure. I mean, this is all great initiatives, but it just sure. didn't feel right to not really do the research necessary to see how can you actually, you know, create uh, a collection that is so not just neutral for the environment, but maybe even climate beneficial. You know, we had a lot of conversations amongst each other and did a lot of research. I would definitely credit my partner, Justin, for that. We decided to really turn to California yeah, um, because obviously we are based here and this is, you know, one of the biggest agricultural centers, if not just in the United States, but in the world. Totally. And it seems like such a great opportunity in this state to really explore how we can use our, you know, power in terms of agriculture to actually, you know, explore climate beneficial fabrics and and how we can do that. And so we, you know, like I said, we did so much research and it really came down to having, you know, being faced with the reality that we needed to create our own production chain. Mm -hmm. And that in order to do that, we really needed to start with a capsule and really explore how which is called natural world, right? Yeah. Natural world and explore how this would work. 
So it's really an experiment for us to see how authentic can we be in mm-hmm. terms of sustainability and in terms of what the future of fashion can be and in terms of what's going on in California. Pretty huge investment on our part, especially just on the heels of like COVID and all of the insecurities in relation to our business and how do we survive through this and all of that. And it was just like a challenging project to tackle, but we were determined that no matter what we needed to go at it super authentically. And we were really lucky to meet a company, a woman by the name of Rebecca Sturgis, who owns a company called Fibershed. Right. And she was really able to sort of lead the way and educate us about, you know, uh, regenerative farming and how to create a supply chain. And she introduced us to all of the uh, farmers and we were able to go there and we did a little documentary on it. That film lives on your site, right? So the film lives on our site and it really explains how we did what we did and how this is the future of responsible fashion. You know, it's like the very fashion answer to this documentary on the food chain. Um, I think it was called The Biggest Little Farm. Did you I see that? I love that documentary. I, love it. I watched it with my son. And yes. I want to take my sons there. I mean, it looks amazing. I know, I know. And so, yeah, it was kind of like in that spirit of like, you know, it's super challenging. As you see in the documentary, they're like dealing with so much. And we had to have, you know, we were were confronted with similar challenges. You know, it has become sort of like a springboard for us to start really expanding what we've learned from this throughout our collection thoughtfully and doing it right and not, you know, just going in and being, you know, claiming sustainability just because there's two things in our collection that comes from recycled fabric, but really looking at like, how do we do this? How do we make it work? You know, we used um, wool, which to me feels almost like, you know, cashmere. This wool is so pure and incredible, but the word wool in fashion is always sort of, you know, stigmatized and kind of people don't like it. They think it's itchy. They think we we led, we, we had challenges from like production to, you know, marketing, to getting people to believe in it, you know, educating the customer, coming out of it, I have some great lessons, and we are really excited to continue developing in that direction. And on our site, we actually give every designer, every person who's interested, all of that, all of those resources, all of the resources. So we're literally gifting, you know, two and a half years of really hard work to whomever in the industry is interested in exploring this. And I think there's a huge opportunity for whether it be the CFDA or any fashion organization in America to really turn to California, to really look at what's going on here, to really partner with people like Rebecca. The focus should be that. I totally agree. Let's shift our attention on this. It's exciting. Yeah feels like we can have so many fun events around that, you know what I mean? And we should have organizations like Vogue, CFDA, all of these people really supporting and getting at the heart of where it starts. It starts in the ground. Well, it's so, I mean, it's so great to hear you say this. I feel like this is, I mean, and I, I think of, you know, what you guys are doing absolutely in the same breath of, you know, Gabriella Hurst and Stella McCartney and Vanessa at Another Tomorrow. Gabriella Hurst was saying, you know, 
she she brought up the point after that summit about you know the the billion dollars that goes into you know runway shows and fashion weeks and what could we do with that if we were buying land or get, and I was like yep that's a good question yeah um, exactly exactly you know I think it's 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 how we have to look at it and you know I think people are afraid because it just it does come with challenges but I think we have we have to invest part of our businesses small or big yeah. in this and you know we really sacrificed our salaries, our livelihood, everything for that. And I think that it has to come with that kind of passion. Well, absolutely. And it will take trailblazers and, you know, people to kind of walk that walk and then other people will, you know, take cue. Um, I'll, I'll read this later. I, I jotted down a, a quote of yours from the Vogue Runway review from 22. And I, I told you, I was like, that was so punk. Like, it was just so great to hear people in the fashion industry not gloss over how ridiculous things are right now and you know shine a light on the fact that your inspiration was not you know a painting this season it was the environment and you know that's the real the real deal that no one wants to talk about and especially when you have children you know what I mean and you're like oh my god what is their life going to be like right and it's it's terrifying you know my 10 year old asks me about it you know and I it's a that's a very hard answer I mean he wants to be a climate scientist and everything but you know he asks me like is this going to be okay and that's a hard answer, you know. Stephanie, living in California, um, clearly you have a love for the whole California connection in the brand. Can you elaborate on this a little for us? Like what you love about the California aesthetic and lifestyle, you know, that's like very specific and individual to you that affects the way you think and design? Well, it's interesting. First of all, you know, I moved to California from Paris in 1999. I'm originally from Morocco landscape of California is very similar to Morocco. Morocco is on the sort of west coast of Africa. You know, it's got mountains, it's got ocean, it's got desert. And so, you know, when I got here, I felt weirdly like I was very, I I was connected to the ocean, the mountains, the nature. And so I just kind of fell in love with California because it brought that back for me. It brought home back for me. When I came here, I felt like a little bit of a pioneer. Like, you know, you could, you could do things here. Yeah. You could really dream, right? California has that real sense of like, it calls dreamers. Yeah. It calls dreamers. And at the time I was in the movie business. So of course, like you know, dreaming and and movies and California, it all sort of comes together. But what I realized about uh, Los Angeles specifically, because I live here, is that when I first moved out here, I lived in Silver Lake, which was not Silver Lake, like we know it today. Um, Me too. I was in Silver Lake in like 2005 and it was- Yeah, yeah, and it was totally different. And like in 1999, I was like, where am I? What is this? But for some reason, there was this kind of like, underground intellectual community that lived here that had nothing to do with the cliches of how we sort of perceive California. And this intellectual community was felt to me almost more so in, in ahead of its time than so many people I knew even in France or in New York. And I just, I got really excited about the creative community in LA the intellectual creative community in LA. And so, you know, between 
the nature that reminded me of my country between the intellectual community that I felt like exists in Los Angeles. And it's, it's a little hidden and you kind of have to find it, but it's there and it's really powerful. My love of, you know, modern modernism, obviously, and architecture. And so I, I just sort of fell in love with all of those aspects. And then when my partner and I sort of met and started Co, we had very similar loves of this place. And we definitely integrated them in um, our design process and our overall perception of how we wanted to create a lifestyle brand. I do love the California lifestyle. It's both laid back, but very precise, you know, it's, there's something very similar to Morocco for me also, where it's just this kind of like ease and flow and comfort that, you know, I think we integrate in the collections for sure, where clothes kind of like move with you. There's a free freedom to them. And, And that sense of freedom, I think exists here so much so, and it's definitely in the in the collections. When I think of your collection, I, I definitely think of obviously I was you know buying your collection for years for by George and for um, 4510, and I'm very familiar with it. But I feel like you know for me it was always like modern minimalist. It, it was it was kind of like my answer for anyone like me, a, a grown up woman who had a career who didn't have time to fuss about you know the new Balenciaga or Y project that they can't fit into or something, you know, it's just, it's easy and it's smart. And, you know, I feel like our customers always bought co and bought, you know, trees and old Celine. Yeah. 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 Very much so. Getty and Gabrielle Hearst. Like it's a, it's a definitely, it's a, it's a thinking woman collection, but now I think of it as sustainable too. Like that has shifted for me, which I really. Yes, for sure. For sure. I mean, Again, I was I was a producer in Hollywood for 15 years before I started Co. And I remember my office was across the street from Barney's. When you work in Hollywood, you go to lunch at Barney's very often. Uh, you know, I would go check out the clothes because I always loved fashion and I grew up in the fashion industry. And I would always I was always like, wow, you know, I'm a producer. I, I make a good living and I can't afford any of this. Expensive, right. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like. And maybe I can afford it, but if I afforded it, I would be like not buying the art that I want to buy. Definitely not putting money aside for, you know, future real estate. Totally. You know, if I start a family, I'm screwed. You know what I mean? So basically it was not, it, I, I felt like the clothes, the price point, it was not speaking to, you know, a career woman. And I, when we started code, that was my goal. I was like, I need to speak to this girl who I used to be and who I was surrounded with, you know, the executives at Universal and the, the, the producers and the agents and all of these women that I was surrounded with were so talented, the writers and the, you know, and, and really were quite lucky to have, you know, to make good money and live that way, but they also felt the same. You know, I, Stephanie, I, I'd love to say, because I just, I work with a lot of celebrities, but I also work with a lot of CEOs and a lot of executives. Um, I'm working with the woman right now who's the first female um, CEO at Warner Brothers. And she's from the East Coast and she splits her time between LA and New York. She's very, very, very classic. She's a striking woman. She can probably buy more or less whatever she wants, but she is so tuned in right now to the conversation. So she has to go to premieres for all of these movies, the Venice Film Festival all the time. A few months in now, the conversation is, 
how do we bring clothes into this room for her fitting? And she wants to rent them and she wants to be a part of the movement. And as a female figure at a big studio, I think her way is that by presenting herself at these events, looking chic, having a fashion point of view, but really having that conversation on the top of her palette if it comes up. And yeah. I have a very similar thing too. I work with Jane Fonda yeah. and Jane, who is such a pioneer and can literally doesn't receive gifts. Yeah. If she does an event and so-and-so is like, could you please have Jane pick a bag? It's like, thank you so much. She politely declines. I still always go to like treating myself to clothing before I think of art, before I think of something from my home. I think it's just been such a comfort for me for so long that I'm at a place where I'd rather have one amazing, beautiful knit sweater, like the one I'm wearing now that I wear all the time. And it's like cozy, but it's chic. And it's like, it feels lifestyle because I think that's also the conversation now is that being fashionable is feeling a connection to yourself through the lifestyle that you're living. Absolutely. And I think that in California, because the weather's so erratic right now, we always know we're going to get to wear coats and sweaters and scarves at night if we want. Yeah. I'm fine being in LA now a long time in New York. The effort is so much more um, natural to the psychology. You're getting up, you're putting on a look, you're going outside. What coat am I going to wear? I'll wear this sweater. So I think and not knowing that about your background, because I was a dancer before I was a stylist, it makes perfect sense because I always say in our office is that we're like producers in here making all of it happen. And these dialogues that you have to have with the farmers and this and that, I have to say that I think when you guys speak to the conversation of what our brands spending their money on, can you imagine if there's a fashion event that you could have where the actual audience gets to somehow participate and understand where the clothes are coming from. Yeah. Right. And learn and learn something. So it becomes where luxury is also got pulse to it. And you know what? In a way, if you start to think about the word luxury, it does relate back to that. What is luxury in our day and age? It's no longer like, okay, a cashmere coat. Luxury is a lifestyle. It's a very thoughtful lifestyle. That is luxury is to thoughtful considered. Yeah. Considered and, and, and to live thoughtfully and not to spend ridiculously and not to just, you know, consume and consume and consume. And just like you said, the one thing, the one sweater that I love that I'm going to wear over and over again, that I'm going to cherish, that I'm going to take care of. Luxury is a philosophy of life. You know, we're ushering out the, the age of frivolty. For me, I do a lot of research, especially in like the retail side on Gen Z, which is of course driving everything. And, you know, you think about Jane Fonda and Billie Eilish, and, you know, there's a lot of people out there who have a lot of eyes on them who talk about these things. All of the, all of the research, all of the data so far says Gen Z is, you know, purchasing with their values. Are you guys shifting any of your marketing or, you know, audience development towards Gen Z? Because they're so hungry for, you know, the real deal. I'm curious. So for me, I always approach marketing from the inside out and not the outside in. So I think for that, what does that mean? It means that it's a little bit like when I used to develop movies and we would sit down in a development meeting and go over the script and really think about like, what is the heart of the story, right? What is the log line? What it, What is it really truly about? And so when we're thinking about our brand and we're thinking about the clothes, thinking about the collections, I think to come from a place that is truest to ourselves, we become universal. 
when I'm true to my heart, when I'm true to a human experience, that human experience becomes universal and it, it spreads like wildfire and it begins to touch any and every generations that I think we become the most successful. So I kind of approach marketing, not out in, but in out. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. How do you define co what, what is your internal kind of DNA for the, for the brand? Uh, From a silhouette perspective or just philosophical? Philosophical. Again, I think that I, uh, I mean, we created Co to serve this very particular woman that we were talking about, this, this, this working woman who I think is living a more thoughtful life and thoughtfulness is, is spread in buying less, buying better, buying at a price point that speaks to her choices of life, mm-hmm. um, that the lifestyle is a lifestyle of curation and beauty and simplicity and nature and, you know, clean lines and, you know, that respects the environment and respects people and respects women and wants to empower. Do you remember a line from years ago called Zoran? Of course, of course. So my mom is Italian and I really grew up just having like quality shoved in my face and like less is more, even though I'm quite the consumer. And I have to say that just listening to you speak and remembering like the lines of Zoran, it's, um, it gives me a lot of that sensibility. Oh, that's interesting. I love that. Did you, like with this, um, Next collection that's uh, pre-fall, 22 in December. What would you like to tell us about that? Um, so basically our pre-fall, sneak our, our, a sneak peek. Oh God, I'd have to go over there with the computer, but. Level sneak peek. Um, so basically, you know, our pre-collections are our essentials collections. That's another shift we did in, in, in COVID. Instead of doing four fashion collections and four essential collections and arrive at the showroom with 3000 pieces of clothing, we decided, no, let's clean all that up. And let's do two fashion collections that we show in September and March. And let's do two essentials collections that we show during the pre-collections. And our essentials collection, the compromise of, you know, really the core pieces in your wardrobe. And we started this, this collection about four or five years ago, and it's really our bread and butter. And I feel like since then, a lot of people have adopted this, this, this uh, concept, which I think is a great concept to adopt. You know, when we're buying fashion, we're forgetting the most essential pieces. And then we're like, oh God, I've had that skirt in my, in my closet for six months. I don't know what to wear it with. And it's only, it's because they're missing those core underpinnings that, you know, that very specific pencil skirt that very specific you know pleated pant and it's and it and you build a wardrobe from that not the other way around because when you're buying the crazy fashion thing you should have the foundation you need the foundation to make that work yeah so we created these essential collections which are foundation pieces now we didn't want it to have sort of like a stripped down kind of more sort of boring. It's, it's not boring. I was going to say it's not boring. It's a lot yeah, of it's, it has our DNA. And so we used our DNA in terms of silhouettes, which are more volume. Uh, you know, we like volume because we like ease because we live in California. And so using, you know, our silhouette, we've created this essential and this essential collection I'm really excited about because we started it very small a few years ago. We just like added some poplin and a little suiting and like, you know, some very like soft, very thin baby cashmere and things that you could wear under your jacket and 
And now it's like growing a little bit and we're like your new stripe shirting. Yes. So we're using like stripes and like more shirting, more suiting, and just like experimenting with linens and like fabrics that everyone loves and really, really easy. And again, it has our DNA in it. So, you know, it's always has a little volume and a little fun and, uh, but it's, it's classic. Because architecture is such a, you know, big part of the brand DNA. And I love mid-century architecture as well. I used to live in the Hollywood Hills right by, right by that Schindler house that you had, which is very sad that it's gone. But can you tell me about the Neutra house? And yeah, I mean, you know, when we moved out of the Schindler, we were, it was in the middle of COVID. We, uh, we didn't know Laurel Canyon and Woodrow. Exactly. Woodrow and Laurel Canyon. And we were like, what are we doing? What are we doing? And Justin's really, really good at finding spaces. And we came about this Richard Nitra house also on Woodrowson, weirdly. And it had just, just been restored um, by its, you know, new owners. It belonged to a Japanese dancer who lived here her whole life. And, you know, it has a studio for painting and a studio for dancing. I mean, it's incredible, incredible. It's, you know, it's got a stream, you know, I'm looking right now at these incredible, enormous trees and it's surrounded with nature. And so the clothes just live really beautifully um, in the space. And so, yeah. Gosh, well, I don't know where that nature is, but yeah, I just love that. You need to come and visit. I do. I I mean, I'm going to actually get back to LA sometime soon, make that transcontinental flight that Christina's made many times, but I haven't, I haven't yes, worked. Stephanie, I want to meet you. I want to meet you. One of these I days. know. Let's get some coffee yeah. or something. Yeah, We're I dying. have to tell you, I'm so fascinated. I really didn't know anything about the movie business, but I'm like one of those girls that's like in Hollywood, but like not in Hollywood, if that means. Totally. I totally, I mean, I I've stayed such good friends with so many of my executive producer you know, agent friends. And, uh, you know, I, it, it's such an incredible industry in my mind, because I actually think that the women who are running it right now are so badass. It's crazy. And they were all sort of my inspiration for co I've, you know, it's just, you know how it is. It's just like, if you can make a movie, you can make anything. So yeah. can I tell you a funny little thing, Kristen, you'll love my little anecdote. So last night I went to the Stella McCartney Beatles party that they were having here. And I went with my colleague and we got dressed up and I was walking by someone and they said, Christina Ehrlich. And I turned my head and I'm mentioning this because it was Donovan Leach, who was my first boyfriend. And I'm, I'm seeing on your Instagram that Christy's a big model for you. Yes. Yes. She's so beautiful and lovely. I have to say, really, I compliment you because the Instagram is, is such a gnarly venture for all of us. You really get, when you look at your handle, you really get a beautiful feel. It's very poetic for the way you're trying to describe how you envision everything and then how it kind of all comes into this collection. So you, and I, and I love the diversity in the women. I think that as a stylist, who's always constantly looking at new collections, constantly looking for new things. When the designer invests creatively in really trying to tell you who her customer is, it makes, especially with clean lines, easy to like imagine and dream, like how you would realize them or how you would style it out. It doesn't feel so utilitarian. It has a little bit more of a you know, a special hand to it. I think when you get to the heart of anything and really tap into that, it just leads to romance creatively, right? 
Yeah. Love. Get soft. All right, Stephanie, thank you so much for joining us. You're so thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for you guys and what you're doing. I'm sure it's going to be a huge success. You know, I'm a big fan of both of you. So I'm, I'm looking forward to everything you're going to do. Thank you for your time. Really talk to you later. Have a good weekend.